Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. It's been a while. It's been a long fall. It's been a busy fall, but we're back with you. We're here sitting on Tuesday, or no, Wednesday, uh, November 30th. I don't even remember what day of the week it is anymore, guys. But uh, we're here. It's conference championship game week, and I'm happy to have back uh, our co-host and one of our favorite guests from earlier this season, who might need to be doing some defending of his uh, college football playoff predictions from the beginning of the season and his national champion pick. But uh, we'll, we'll spare him, at least for now. But uh, I got Brett and I got uh, Jared back, so I'll go ahead and bring them on in. Brett, how are we doing tonight? I'm great. Uh, I appreciate the uh, subtle roast of Jared, even though my uh, mine were mine were no better. <laughs> it's good no to be better. Back. I mean, at least your national champion is still alive, unlike uh, Jared's of uh, Texas A&M, right, buddy? Yeah, that was not a good pick. We'll be all right. I don't even bowl eligible. <laughs> <laughs> No, they did not even make a uh, in a, make a bowl game. That was a that was a rough year down there for Jimbo and the Aggies. But uh, at least Brett's pick of I'm pretty sure. It, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett. I'm pretty sure it was Ohio State. Correct. Yep, it was Ohio State. They're they're on the outside looking in right now, but they are still alive. still breathing. They they do have a chance, and uh, we will get deep into that as uh, as we go through this show because there's plenty to talk about, but. Obviously, I think the uh, the biggest thing that we're going to have to start ourselves off with, I said this, well, I guess this would have been, what, three months ago almost now, um, that, when we, that when Scott Frost got fired and Nebraska made a hire, I was going to put together a podcast. I wanted to do an emergency podcast. Nebraska did not do me any favors by dropping it on a Saturday afternoon. In when I was traveling back from Thanksgiving. So the emergency recap pod did not happen as we like. But we did get a hire from Nebraska as soon as their season was over. They ended on Black Friday with a great upset win over uh, Iowa first, beating Iowa for the first time in how many years, guys? Shoot. Eight or nine. We were in high school still, when, which is yeah. crazy to say. We were still in high school last time we beat them. Well, the yes. last time was Bo, wasn't it? It was Bo, yeah, correct. Bo Pelini. So Scott Frost and Mike Riley neither ever beat Iowa, which yeah. is crazy to say. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of rough years there in that in that rivalry, um, playing on Black Friday. But this year, Nebraska gets the job done. Really looked very good in that game. Probably the best they've looked the entire year. Um, held on for dear life there at the end and, and got it done in a in a close game. But but here we are. We have a hire. It's Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers, who was fired earlier this season. You might know him in the college ranks better from his time um, at Temple. At Temple, before he was then hired at Baylor and took over right after the Arb Riles debacle there and built up Baylor before jumping to the pros two years ago. Had a couple of rough years there with the Carolina Panthers, but I guess we'll we'll start here. The first question I have for y'all is, what was what was the immediate Thought. What was the immediate reaction when uh, when you saw Matt Rule get hired? I'll take this one first. Um, so initially, when we heard all the rumors about who potentially could be the coach, Matt Rule was brought up, and at at the face level of it, I wasn't too sure just because of his his stint in in Carolina. It obviously, didn't end up the way he wanted it to. Um, 
I wasn't too sure about it, and I, I thought we should go for more of a home run hire, more of the more of the name hire, like a like a Luke Fickle or um, Dave Aranda, um, who turns out he might not be as good of a coach as we all thought at one point either. Um, but but after after the news is released and listening to him speak at his introductory press conference, I am I am thrilled. I I, I like the hire. Um, he's obviously um, had to turn programs around, and he's done it quick. Um, he took Baylor and Temple both from I think one win seasons each of them to ten plus win seasons at, at both both stops. So I'm I'm I like the hire. Um, he's going to get the team playing tough, and he, he the thing I like is he he said it all starts with the line the line of scrimmage. Um, he's going to have his boys playing tough offense and, and defensive line play. So I, I like that. Yeah, I was the same way. Uh... We love big name hires. Um, you know, for me, it was <laughs> Urban Meyer. I wanted Urban Meyer a little bit, but uh, I, again, I, I wasn't a huge rule guy. Like, I wasn't like, man, if we get rule, I'm excited. But after doing some thinking and some research and just to listen to some conversations, uh, I am excited. You know, I mean, uh, it's a guy who's proven to build programs. And let's be honest, that's where we're at right now. You know, we're, we're a program that's down, but um, a guy who knows how to win on the college level versus pros. And, you know, we were talking about this before we got on. I mean, it's just completely different, different style, college and pros, you know. And so um, I'm I'm pretty excited. I don't think it's going to happen year one, probably not even year two. But I think by year three and four, uh, we'll, we'll be contending for, even though the whole conference will be together, hopefully Big Ten Championships. Yeah, I mean, Brent kind of alluded to it. His first year at Temple, he, he they were two and ten. Second year, they were six and six, and then third year, ten and four. Fourth year, ten and three. Baylor, first year, one and eleven. Second year, seven and six. Third year, eleven and three. Lost in the Sugar Bowl, and then he bolted to the NFL. Um, and then Dave Aranda took over, and so, um, it, it's really hard to it's it's hard to not be excited about this hire. I mean, there there hasn't been that. Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU or Lincoln Riley leaving for uh USC type of job hiring. I would say this offseason, we might get it. You might get close to that with the next guy that we talk about, but um, this guy was out there to be had. He was fired pretty early in the season for the Carolina Panthers. Nebraska's obviously was the very first job open. So it made a lot of sense that you could have a lot of open communication. I think that, Matt Rule probably had a lot of time to really start thinking about what would his what would his staff look like there, doing a lot of deep research into Nebraska, figuring out if he really wants to take this job. I think Matt Rule probably could have gotten a couple of jobs if he wanted it. But he decided to take uh, this this job for the Cornhuskers. And personally, I mean, I think everybody in the entire world all thought Scott Frost in Nebraska five years ago was a home run hire. Um, and I, I think that this is about as sure of a thing as you can get when you're talking about the beginning of a coaching hire of Nebraska needs a program builder. They need somebody to, to start getting them back, playing tougher, winning close games and doing it the right way. And this guy seems to fit that bill. Yeah. Um, and then kind of to your point when you were saying that, uh, he probably could have had a lot of different jobs. I, I I had heard in his press conference, he said that when he was talking to his family, 
even before Trev, had, Trev Alberts, our uh, associate or, or athletic director, even reached out to him. He wasn't sure if he was even going to coach this year. He thought maybe oh, I'll take a year off and wait for the right program to open. But after talking with the administration and the leadership around Nebraska, the Nebraska program, um, he said he, he really realized that there's strong leadership there, and that's what he was looking for, something something stable and, and that really has good people around it. And I think that's what he found with Trev and um, our uh, university's president. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that everyone seems to be on the same page finally. Um, the athletic director and the head coach seem to be very aligned, which we haven't had, um, frankly, since probably – Man, probably almost Tom Osborne. It seems like there's always been a little bit of friction between our AD and our our head coach. So hopefully that sticks. But I'm I am excited. He uh, he had a pretty tough bargain to stay at home. He was going to get paid eight hundred thousand dollars a month to sit his butt at home. And uh, Nebraska's going to make it worth his time. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was close to the seven million dollar range. If I'm not mistaken for his contract. Correct. Yep. Um, I believe it's seven million dollar eight year or no, it's it's eight million. It's eight million seven years. Yeah. So uh, long term knows where he's going to be for a while, conceivably, and he's going to be compensated very fairly instead of sitting at home and collecting eight hundred k to sell on the couch or probably do DVM more likely. Um, so obviously, the guy really wants to do this. He didn't have to do it. Uh, so he he believes in the program. He believes in the foundation that's there. I know Nebraska is getting a new practice facility. I think that I I absolutely don't think that this is a dead job. Um, not in the way that the transfer portal is nowadays. I think that this can get turned around. I'm not going to say within a year, but I definitely think within two years. I mean, you look at what um, you look at Michigan State and Mel Tucker. You look at what Josh Heupel's done at Tennessee this year. Uh, you look at what Brian Kelly has even done or Lincoln Riley has done, maybe not to that extent of trying to be in a college football playoff year one, but you can flip this. You so quickly with the transfer portal. And I think that's the dynamic that is so different from years past with, with coaching hires. What it used to say, all right, well, we really need three years because you, you don't get any recruiting cycle your first year. The second year is only really your first year. And then your third year is your, your second. And you're starting to get really get your, your guys in bigger class. So the way the portal is, you can flip this thing in two years easily. Let's hope. And and I think that that's a that's a fair you know a fair open a fair expectation. So speaking saying fair expectations, I mean, but what is a fair expectation you guys going into next year? Is it is it game? Is it just show improvement from this year? Um, is it win seven games, eight games? Like what is what is a fair expectation as you sit here way too early right now and right after the season has ended, looking forward to 2023. I look at, I mean, I don't see why there's not a reason we can't go to a bowl game. Um, I mean, six wins, um, you know, you play three, possibly, you know, two or three uh, games at home as a, as a power five that you probably should win. Um, again, I, I think I, I think I saw we don't play Ohio State next year again in our schedule, and which is good, obviously. Um, it's not as favorable schedule as this year, which is frustrating because this year was a very favorable schedule for us. But I do think that a bowl game, in my opinion, is very attainable. Now, if we don't get it, we're not going to hate on the guy. And I don't think Husker Nation will be 
extremely upset as they were with like Scott after year two or three, or whatever. But if he avoids the losses to Troy, Georgia Southern, uh, Akron, like you know, or not we like Colorado, like those teams that we should beat, um, I, I think I think we'll be good for for year one. Yeah, I, I agree with Jared. Um, I'm not going to say success would be contingent on a bowl game. I, I think I think improvement is mainly my focus. Um, improving the line play, kind of like I talked about earlier. Um, but, yeah, kind of like Jared alluded to, I, I think the it, it is a favorable schedule. Um, we dodge Ohio State again. Our crossover games um, into the Big Ten East are Michigan, Michigan State, and Maryland. Um, Michigan State being sort of down right now, and Maryland is – so so, I think Michigan's probably the tall task for the season. Um, but again, with the transfer portal, you never really know who's going to be where in any given year. So, uh, I guess we'll have to see on that. But yeah, I, I mean, just looking over our schedule, I, mean, I don't see why there's any reason why we can't beat Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Illinois, Northwestern, and shoot Maryland, Purdue maybe. Yeah, so it basically you're saying beat the teams that you should be and be competitive with the teams that are better than you. Like don't don't go out there and get run off the field by anybody. Don't go get run off the field by Michigan, which you guys didn't do this year, but just saying in general, like, don't get run off the field. Don't don't let it be 49 to 10. Be competitive in the game and beat the teams that you should beat and win a couple of these close games because inevitably you're gonna have a couple of pretty close in talent games and probably have them swing 50-50 and at least go 50-50 in them instead of in the Scott Frost era where it was like one out of every 10. Absolutely. So, I think that's I think that's completely fair and reasonable. I, I'm excited for y'all. I, I really do think that this is going to be a great, a great, great hire. I think look at it two years. You're going to be looking at Nebraska at, at eight, nine, ten wins. I, I don't know what the schedule looks like in two years, but I could absolutely see it. It'll obviously get tougher with the, uh, with the new – no conference or no no divisions in two years, but it also could work out in a sense where you could maybe pick up some more of the bottom feeders um, at the same time. So you don't know what anybody's going to look like in, in two years, let alone you don't know who's going to be a quarterback. Don't know what anybody's going to have. Um, how's the uh, how's the staff looking so far, Brad? I know you've kind of been been tracking most of it. Just in your opinion, I, I know it's already filling up pretty quickly. No surprise as rules obviously had a whole lot of time to figure this out of who you would want on a staff. So, so how's it look in your opinion? Um, I think it's going well so far. Um, all things considered, um, given the news that which I won't go into too much. Um, our office coordinator, um, Marcus Satterfield comes from South Carolina. Um, Kylie, you're familiar with him. I'm sure. Uh, I am. Uh, sorry. Um, our running back coach, um, Barthel, I can't remember his first name, is from UConn, and he improved UConn team, honestly. Um, and they're they top, top 35. I think they were 33 in rushing this year um, in the country, which is impressive for UConn because they've been a dumpster fire for God knows how long. Um, I believe those are the only two hires in the offensive staff. Um Oh, Jake Peets Jake Peets from the Rams is also contingent based on salary if he's in or not. They're still working out final details. Um, and then uh, Terrence Potros Knighton um, is our D line coach. 
all-time coaching name, Pot Roast. That's awesome. We're back already just because of that. Um, and then Evan Cooper, our defensive backs coach, is from um, the Panthers. So we'll see. Uh, I think there still needs to be a couple splash hires. I mean, Mickey – or sorry, not Mickey. Um, Rule um, was given a $7 million pool for his assistance. And I don't see why any of those guys command over – a million dollars other than maybe Satterfield. Um, so I think getting a splash hire at the coordinator, defensive coordinator, and splash hire at the receiver coach, I, I don't see why we can't put together a very solid staff. Yeah, I love it. So we'll we'll rock and roll with it. Um, I want to jump ship here to the other um, Big West team that also had a hire this offseason um, that they fired their coach midway through the year. They gave it to – Try to give it to their uh um try to give it to the uh the interim there. I can't even remember his name now. That was an interim for forever. Um there it was um, Jim uh Leonard. Jim Leonard. Yeah, Jim Leonard. Um they fired Paul Chris to give Jim Leonard a spot at it. And really to a shock of just about everybody, like I, I alluded to that there wasn't a Matt a, a Lincoln Riley or a Brian Kelly type of hire. This would be the closest thing I've seen to it so far this offseason. And that's that uh Luke Fickle was was at, was taken away from Cincinnati and was intrigued with the idea of going to coach at Wisconsin. And frankly, I think this is another absolute home run hire. Uh, obviously Luke Fickle has done wondrous things there at Cincinnati the last few years. Uh really, really has built up that program. He's turned down a lot of head coaching jobs the last two offseasons. And he's taken to this one. Um, so I guess as not necessarily rivals with with Wisconsin, but you're going to be competing them in the same conference. What do you guys think of the hire for them? How worried are you about Wisconsin getting back to being a really, really good football team? Uh, I think I think you nailed it. I, I mean, I think it's a great hire. Um, obviously, he does he did a tremendous job, and and um, he was bound to get you know, power five, power five job. Um, but the worry level is, is not very high for me just because of, um, you know, I mean, they've been good, but I, I am very, I just, I think rule is just such a, hopefully such a good fit for what we need. Um, and the way he, again, like Brett alluded to the way he talks about, um, you know, linemen and kind of things that we've been getting our butt kicked on, like, running backs from Wisconsin having a field day on us, um, just getting absolutely destroyed at the line of scrimmage. Those are things that would worry me. But, again, the way rules talk and the way apparently, you know, rule has 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 led his football teams in the past, my worry level is not, not very high. I do think it's a great hire. I think they will, um, again, be a great program. Uh, but hopefully we're, I'm pretty excited if we can get up there and have, you know, some top ten matchups. Yeah, I'm with Jared there. Um... I think the great hire as well. Um, he obviously coach. He he got Cincinnati to the college football playoff, which is an incredible feat. The only group of five team to ever make it. Um, my and I wouldn't even call this a worry really because with the transfer portal and everything, I kind of like I said with Nebraska, you never know who's going to be where every year. But I feel like the team um, has kind of been lost already. Um, the current team. Um, just because they kind of they they kind of rallied around Jim Leonard, um, 
and with him being out now, um, it seems like a lot of players are very frustrated with that. And that happens all the time when a coach is fired or leaves, but um, it just kind of seems that a lot of their players are very unhappy with Leonard not being at least kept around as a coordinator. I have to think that they had full intentions of getting Leonard and probably didn't know that they could actually go get Luke Fickle. And then the moment that Luke Fickle is there to be, to be had, I don't think that you could turn down Luke Fickle for Jim Leonard as great as Jim Leonard is. And as much as he is a Wisconsin guy, um, it certainly didn't go light the world on fire for the, the seven weeks that he was head coach. I think they went four and three under his uh, command. It wasn't, wasn't anything special. Um, and Luke Fickle is... Yeah, I mean his record pretty well speaks for itself. He had he had a really really tough time in his one year as his interim at Ohio State, and then uh, once he got back to Cincinnati, he went four and eight, eleven and two, eleven and three, nine and one, went to the Peach Bowl, and then thirteen and one, losing in the uh, college football playoff. That was the one loss they were undefeated, and so and then they went nine and three this year with losing. They had the third most people put into the NFL draft last year behind Alabama and Georgia. Um, they put a lot of talent in the draft and a lot of top-level talent. Sauce Gardner has been playing great. Um, I forget they're in the corner, but they, they set up the NFL too. Um, but both of them have been knockout guys. So I think that this is going to be a really, really good hire. And I'm, I'm interested to see if the philosophy of Wisconsin stays the same, if it's still the, uh, the old Big Ten, run the ball first, run, run, get to third and one, third and two, power ball, every once in a while do some play action pass and, you know, lean on your defense. I'm curious to see if that's the style of ball that he runs or if he kind of opens it up a little bit more similar to what he what he did at Cincinnati. I don't, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or opinions of what you think you might see there. but mm, I think you'll see a bit of a mix, um, at least until he can flip over um, the roster. Because um, I'm not necess- I don't necessarily think Wisconsin has the personnel to run what he did at Cincinnati. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, he could try it. I don't know if it'll work out in his favor. <laughs> but I don't think Graham, especially with his kind of, I wouldn't say called an aired out, uh, aired out offense, but I don't know if Graham Mertz is really that guy. So I guess we'll see. I see it as. Again, I agree. The personnel, obviously, you're going to have a little year or two-year gap because I don't think it's going to be the Wisconsin that we've been used to. Um, I, I envision it as kind of like an Ohio State-type offense, um, just kind of not not power, but like a little spread and, and kind of play action and uh, throw the ball down the field, challenge that way. That's how I see it. I don't know. I think he'll get there maybe year three. Um because the personnel changes through recruiting. Uh, so it might be a couple rough years just, you know, from that standpoint. But that's how I see it. Um, to, it it's really nice to see these coaches going all in. And I think that, you know, we kind of joked in the past about it's SEC versus Big Ten. But the more you look at it, the coaching depth in both of these conferences now is absolutely insane. I don't think that you could look at either conference and say that there is the back coach in either of them. Um, I think that every he's pretty much got their top dog. I mean, obviously you got Kirby and Nick Saban, but you look at the middle of the pack and you start talking about you like your Shane Beamer, 
um, Josh Heupel and uh, you got Mike Leach. And then you look at the Big Ten in, in the middle of the pack there, and you're talking about probably a Matt Rule. And now Luke, uh, Luke Fickle might be up near the top, but, um, you know, the top you'll obviously have Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh, and then you kind of work your way down. And it's like these all the way down to the, to the, to the bottom of the bottom. It's like, these guys are, these conferences are so deep and it's only going to re- lead to a lot more competitive ball games and a lot more fun as fans watching these games. Um, nobody likes, you know, layover games. Everyone likes to have a good, good hard fought game. You want excitement. And I think that we're going to be getting a lot of it and a lot more uh, parody. And I think that's only great for the sport. So, so let's talk about, um, you could possibly say the most controversial hire of the offseason so far. Um, we knew that we knew that Auburn was going to need to get somebody. They got rid of uh, Brian Harson way back when, and there was a whole lot of talk for a very, very long time that it was going to be Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin utilized all of that free publicity and turned that into a nice big fat contract extension at Ole Miss, getting himself eight years. Uh, and I believe making $9 million a year now. So he flipped that thing into a very, very nice payday for himself. So Auburn was left going with someone from Plan B. And Plan B is somebody else who has been known to beat Nick Saban um, and has done so with lesser talent, but also has a little bit of a questionable past. And that would be you Freeze. Um, People probably know him best for his time at Ole Miss. Before he was at Ole Miss, he was at Arkansas State, which coincidentally enough now makes the third straight head coach for Auburn that is coached in Arkansas State at one time. Uh, Gus Malzahn did, and so did Brian Harston, and now has uh, Hugh Freeze. But uh, he was at Arkansas State only for one year, went to Ole Miss, had some really, really rough years, um, and then one really good year. And so it's kind of a it's a wild, wild time there for him at, at Ole Miss. Um, oh, actually, now I'm looking at it. That's why the A's, because they were uh, vacated. That would explain a lot. But the, the tenth year at, at 2015, that that was, a, I know, a year that they beat Alabama. They believe they also beat them again in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had done it twice in a row. Uh, and then had some pretty solid years the last few years at Liberty. So, um, I guess how shocked were you guys? What do you guys think of this hire for Auburn? Kind of look at it from a more outsider's Big Ten perspective, and then I'll kind of jump in and, and give what I think from an SEC side. But I'm curious what you guys think from the outside. I like it. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a great football coach. Um, I know he has had his he he has his he has his demons. Um, but you know, I think everyone deserves a second chance, um, personally. Um, so I, I don't know about schematic fit wise, um, because I'm not too familiar with Auburn to be completely honest. Um, but I, I think he, he, he obviously knows how to coach in the SEC. So I think he, he should have them in a few years, at least in a better situation than they were under Harson. <laughs> That's not hard to do. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a risky hire. Um, you know, I don't know who exactly they had in mind targeting. I don't know. I can't imagine he was their number one guy. Um, but he obviously, like Brett said, he, he knows how to coach in the SEC. He knows the conference. Um, 
you know, I think you can look at anybody. If you really want to dig up dirt, you can find dirt on anybody. So I know he, he messed up. I mean, a lot of people mess up. I mean, you think about it. Now things are legal for student athletes and coaches to do that probably, you know, years ago they were doing under underneath, you know, and, and probably recruiting violations and all that. And so he just happened to get caught. Not that I'm saying it's right. Um, you know, it's obviously wrong. But I think he knows how to coach football, and I, I think he has a legitimate opportunity to bring Auburn back to what they hopefully could be top top 10, top 15, and kind of bring back that Iron Bowl. Oh, I agree. I mean, a lot of that stuff that he got in trouble for, like you said, with the NCAA, all that stuff's legal now. Now, the, uh, the, the I'm not, I'm calling – Oh, I, 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 okay. Calling escorts from your school issued cell phone. That's probably not a good idea. I would not do that again if I was him. No, probably not. <laughs> I but that, that is beside, that's not why they got recruiting violations. Um, so, I, I mean, I really think that this is a, I think that this is a strong hire. I think that they obviously really wanted Lane, but for, Whoever the head coach is at Auburn, and this is something that Bryson, Brian Harson was not, is you have got to be just a ridiculously relentless recruiter because you're sitting there in the same state as Nick Saban. You are a state away and like 200 miles away from Kirby Smart at Georgia. Um, you're and you're also not that far from LSU. You've got a, all this talent around you, and these are all really, really hard schools to go up and recruit against. You have got to just be relentless and not be afraid to go up against the top dogs on, on these five-star players. And I think that Hugh Freeze is exactly that type of personality. I don't think he's going to be scared by Nick Saban. I don't think he's going to be scared by Kirby Smart. Um, he's going to go out there, and he's going to get dudes on the football field. And there's one thing that nobody can ever question, and Brett said it, is the guy can coach on the football field. Now, throw the off-field stuff behind. Um, the guy can coach, the guy can win, and that's what Auburn needs right now. So if he can uh, keep his head above water, don't get himself in trouble, I think that this could really, really work out nicely. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly it is, see how much Auburn dips into the transfer portal, how much it is um, of the players that they currently have. I love the fact that they kept Cadillac Williams on staff as an associate head coach. That guy – absolutely had those boys playing fired up the last three weeks of the season. So I like the position for Auburn. I I'm curious to see what the rest of the staff is going to look like under him, but getting Hugh freeze and then being able to keep Cadillac Williams, both of those were, were giant wins. And it, I think that if you secretly had Nick Saban in a room, nobody got to record anything and you asked him, what is your opinion of the hire? I think he was saying, damn, I don't think he would be happy, which to me is the exact sign of a good hire. Mm-hmm. Now, have, you been to, have you been to Jordan Air Stadium? I have. Um, have you seen their their coach's box? Uh, I have not. Okay, I was just wondering if it's up to Hugh Freeze's snuff. Uh, I, I have not been to the coach's box, so I, I can't uh, I can't be positive. Uh, okay, because they, they need to have a hospital bed in there for the first yeah. game. Yeah, just just in case uh, he needs to do a little coaching from the room. That is still the most outrageous thing I think I've ever seen a coach do. 
it's one of the funniest photos of all time. It is hilarious. The hospital room. It, for it's at all time. For those of you listeners who don't know, Hugh Freeze coached from a hospital bed in the coach's box, which is it's awesome dedication, but it is just bizarre. Did they win? I, I, I think they did. I think they did. Yeah, I think they were playing a pretty no nothing team. Wasn't this yeah. COVID or not? Maybe not COVID. Maybe it was 2019. He had to get like surgery or something, and he was in a hospital bed. And he coached from the bed. Uh, there's this, there was a picture with him holding a thumbs up from the coach's box, and it was just hilarious. Um, so, really yeah, it's a uh, it's an all time moment. So we'll see what they do there at. Uh, We'll see what they do there at Auburn. I think that this is going to be a really, a really good move forward for them. I think that um, I think that they're going to, like I said, get back on the recruiting trail. I don't anticipate this being a rapid uh, flip over. I anticipate this being a couple of years, but nonetheless, I think that uh, they're moving themselves in the right direction. And in a couple of years, I think that they could be a force to So I'm glad that for the moment. They're on the other side of the conference from us, and we don't have to play them every So, for the meantime, I'm okay with it. And, uh, and good for them. I look forward to uh, probably some very, very high scoring games being played between you threes and Josh Heidel. So, uh, yeah, let's see. I guess that uh, pretty well covers the main the main coaching hires. You guys got any uh, last points here? You guys want to uh, move on to some more current stuff? So, we move on a little. Well, college, college football playoff, baby. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. So, um, we we gave all of our predictions throughout the year. We Brett and I have been kind of talking about. Uh, we gave our rankings the first couple weeks, and then we've been out for a few weeks. So here we are. We're going to be looking at it um, of where we stand going into conference championship Saturday this weekend. So the large, large majority of these teams are all done. They can't play anymore. Um, so let's let's take a look. We have we have Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, TCU at number three, and USC at number four. I think it's pretty safe to say that none of us are surprised by any of these, and that none of us are upset by any of these. I think the only thing you could maybe nitpick is I do think that Michigan had a rightful argument at number one, but. Other than that, I don't think that there was anything else you could really say here in the top four of uh, going into this week. I mean, I think that this one was a pretty easy one for the committee. I completely agree. Um, and I think if the Michigan-Ohio State game would have happened, if, the, if you would have flipped the USC and Utah and the Michigan and Michigan State game dates, I think you would see Ohio State over USC. Um, yeah. I think it's a little bit of a recency bias. I mean, neither of them really have played all that many great teams. Um, I think you put them both on a neutral field as a sort of a play-in game. I think Ohio State wins, frankly. Um, I mean, USC can't stop anyone on defense. So I think it's going to be a very interesting game this weekend between Utah and USC. Yeah, I the recency bias is real. Um, you know, you lose a game early in the season, you're fine. But, you know, if you lose late in the season, just hurts you a lot more. Um, I think Georgia, Michigan, one, two, I'm fine with that. Um, obviously, top four is, is easy. Obviously, I, I think I think Georgia, Michigan, they're safe no matter what. I think even if they lose and get 
upset somehow. I, I think I still think they're in the top four. Um, obviously, USC has to win to stay in. I, I do think if TCU, if, if they don't get blown out, I, I think even if they lose, they might still have a chance at that top four. Um, just be, but I mean, but boy, that would be a wild argument if you're talking about TCU 12 and one and their one loss being K State to a top 10 K State team now versus Ohio State, whose best win is Penn State. Conceivably, K State would probably jump above Penn State, so it's, it's really a pretty good win. And their loss was thump getting thumped at home by Michigan. Uh, that's going to be such a such a wild debate, and I think the uh, the logos on the side of the helmet are going to help decide it. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into this in a minute of where I think the recency bias and the logo and kind of the uh, the logo bias pops in here. But I I think that TCU deserves to begin whether win or lose. But I think that if it came down to it, the committee would pick Ohio State, and I really hate that because. It's a really, really screwed up situation that if you look at eight years ago, the Big 12 had no champ, uh, no uh, pack or Big 12 championship game. Uh, Baylor and T, they had 10 teams in the league. They played around Robin. Everybody played everybody. And I believe it was TCU who had come out on top in the, uh, in the division or in the, in the Big 12 and did not have a championship game. Ohio State had a chance to go win the Big 12 championship. They did win it. And they or the, their Big Ten championship, and they jumped up over TCU and Baylor in that situation. And then now you're talking about eight years later that TCU could be screwed because they play in a conference championship game. It, it's really such a horrible double standard that you get to play an extra game, and if you lose to a very top team, I mean, their Kansas State is no slouch team. I don't see why you should be why you should get punished so hard for losing a very, very tough game. But it's the way this committee works, and I'm afraid that they're looking for anything they can do to get their high-value brands in. And you've got Ohio State sitting there, and if USC and TCU both lose, you've got Alabama sitting there behind them. And so it's it's a debate I really hope it doesn't come down to, but, boy, we could be looking at it. Man, if you're the committee, you are – the biggest TCU and USC fans right now. Oh yeah. They, they want both those teams to win so badly because if they win, you have your job. So easy, your job. So easy. You just get to clean cut, put them right in. It's probably yep. the easiest top four of all time for them. No, no controversy whatsoever. It takes one loss though. And to tell you how, I mean, unlikely it is that both these teams, they're playing very close games. I mean, these aren't going to be top, these aren't going to be top t- uh, very large spreads. I believe they're both two and a half, if I'm not mistaken. But if you go look right now in Vegas, I'm putting this together as we speak, USC to win, and you parlay that with TCU to win, that's paying you at two to one on your money. This is Vegas literally telling you that we don't expect that to happen. They're saying the odds are better for one of those two teams to lose than both those two teams to win. So I don't know which one it's going to be. Both of them are going to be tough games. Um, USC gets the opportunity to try and avenge a loss. TCU is doing the harder side, I would, in my opinion, to try and beat a team twice uh, in the same season. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, I mean that Alabama 
or the Ohio State Alabama there five six, and then you know I I don't want to go on a giant soapbox here, but I, I'm just gonna say that the fact that Tennessee is sitting behind Alabama, oh. such an absolute crock of shit. It's couldn't it's- agree more. Could not agree more with that. I mean, how do you how do you place the same records? And I think they're taking into effect hookers out, and they're just looking at that. But from the standpoint of Tennessee, literally. Same record, same conference, and they have beat the team ahead of them. That that makes no sense to me as well. It, it's such a double standard. They sat there and they asked Bukarigan basically why, and he said that the quality of losses, well, the quality of losses to a team that you just put right behind them. And it's it, it gets even worse when you look at the rankings because you look at Florida State, they're at 13. They beat LSU, who's at 14. You look at Oregon State, they're 15. They just beat Oregon, who is 16. Like you see this of same record team. Yeah being put just ahead of each other, and then you drop Tennessee behind Alabama. And and I I got in a huge Twitter war on this last night, and I'm not arguing that I think Tennessee deserves a spot to have their life still open for the playoff because I don't think Tennessee deserves to be in it. But at the end of the day, Tennessee is, about, is in a position to get in a really, really screwed spot when it comes to bowl games because as it stands now, Alabama will get the first pick or would be the first team at the SEC, which would then go to Sugar Bowl. There's talks that Ohio State or that the Rose Bowl doesn't want to take Ohio State because they're afraid of fatigue because it'd be their third time in five years. And then they would drop them to the Orange Bowl, which would then push Tennessee out of the Orange Bowl all the way down to the Cotton Bowl. And if LSU then beats Georgia, got somehow that happens, Tennessee would be out of a New Year's Six Bowl because of the way that the playoff committee ranked these teams. And it in a, a fantastic year and a 10 and two year in the sec and you could be out of a new year six bowl. So it's, it's really ridiculous if you ask me, but they to go, they don't go with their own ranking or their own uh, standards, but here we are. So I just, I had to get it off my chest because I think it's such a proper shit. But I, I think both of you are probably in my camp on this saying that uh, Tennessee six and Alabama seven. Brad, I think you, you, you're fair on that one and agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can I, hey, can I pose a situation to you? I sure. want your opinion. All right. TCU, USC lose. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, Ohio State probably makes the jump, right? Mm-hmm. Easy money. But uh, would you put a – now, the, the committee is going to choose Alabama over Tennessee – but or like, does USC stay in, or does TCU stay in there? Over Alabama and Tennessee. Over Alabama and Tennessee. I think you have to. I mean, I think that that would be really, really brutal if you want to drop TCU behind two teams. Um, I mean, Alabama's resume, frankly, is is extremely unimpressive when you look at it overall. Um, they're they have two top twenty five wins, and that is two. Uh, it's to Mississippi State and I'm in Texas. I think are there two top twenty-five wins? What? So that sounds right. Yeah. The first time was Baylor still ranked? When who did? When they played Baylor, was Baylor still ranked? Uh, last week. Yeah, uh, Texas just beat Baylor, and they. Uh, they were not ranked, but they did throttle them. So I think they got. So when did when did TCU play Baylor though? Oh, they played them two weeks ago, and Baylor was not ranked. No. Okay. So. Got it. 
Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't see you dropping TCU below them. I think that TCU fans would be probably rightfully upset more than even Tennessee fans are right now if that happened. But And then I think you're really talking about some conspiracy theories if you're putting in – if you look at Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, I, I think at that point you're just really – you're just going for your your top programs, and you don't care about anything that happens on the field in that situation. Losses won't mean anything, so we'll, we'll see. Um, let's let's dive into the picks to kind of see what we think happens here. So we we alluded to it. Utah versus USC is the very first conference championship game, Pac-12 championship, Friday night, seven p.m. Central. USC is a two and a half point favorite. They played at Utah earlier this year. I believe that was on October 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Utah, it was one of the most emotional nights you're going to get, I think, for a college football uh, game. They were honoring their three teammates that had all died in the last two years. They had them their faces painted on their helmets. Uh, crowd was supercharged, and Utah won by going for two with 40 seconds left to win by one. Um Utah's tight end had an absolutely massive night. I think he went for about 230 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, USC's defense hasn't gotten much better, but I would say Caleb Williams probably has, and that offense has only gotten better as this year's gone on. Where do you guys see this game going? Uh, does USC eventually loss, or does Utah double down and, and do it twice this year? Um, I think it's really hard to beat a team twice, and Caleb Williams is – playing better than anyone in the country at the moment. Um, so I, I got USC in this. I, I, I want Utah to win the game, but um, give me USC. And what did you say the spread was? Two and a half? Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half favoring USC. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're going that route, you got to take USC in the spread as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you got Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, um, high-powered offense, Lincoln Riley. I just, you know, I think Utah being at home and after playing each other, I, I, I'm going to take USC. Obviously, the spread, but I think, I think they're Pac-12 champs. Yeah, I, I think that USC's, I think USC's got it done um, here. I'm, I'm with you guys. I really want uh, Utah to be. I really want Utah to win this. It would help for Tennessee's bowl game and be sending us to the Orange Bowl instead of to the Cotton Bowl, um, which Miami sounds a whole lot more fun to Dallas, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I think that USC gets this done. I just – I think that the offense is too much. Utah's defense is nowhere near what it was last year. They were really, really sound defensive team, really physical I just don't think they have that this year. Cam Rising's going to have to go absolutely nuclear if they win this game. So I think the last time it was 43-42. Wouldn't surprise me to see something fairly close to that, probably like a 48-40 to game uh, in USC's favor. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. I think that this is going to be a whole lot of fun on Friday night to watch. But uh, well, we got three votes here for the uh, for the Trojans and fight on. So we'll Let's hope that uh, what is that the old Sunday night football curse when you see all the all the announcers <laughs> all pick the same team you can just you can just picture it right now you just see USC 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 and uh, when USC loses then everybody can come back and blame us for uh, chasing them I guess so 
let's go to let's go to the uh, Big Twelve. Uh, Eleven a.m. local kick. This will be coming on right after the U.S. hopefully knocks off the Netherlands in the World Cup. So for you major sports fans, Saturday is such such a beautiful day because starting at nine a.m. Central. You will have USA take on the Netherlands, lead you right into this game at 11. You're going to have the SEC championship at three, as well as the Americans going on at the same time. And then at night, you'll have you'll have the Big Ten and the Big 12 championships, um, or the Big Ten and the ACC, I mean. So you'll be smacked in sports all day long, wake up to going to bed. It'll be a whole lot of fun. But let's talk about the actual game itself. This is the other two-and-a-half-point spread I mentioned to you guys. This is another rematch. TCU beat K-State earlier this year at TCU. K-State had a huge lead. I want to say it was 21 to 10. Um, and uh, Martinez got hurt and their backup played horrible in the second half. I think he threw three picks. TCU comes storming all the way back and wins that game by seven or 10 points. Um, it is a two and a half point spread here. This game will be played at at t Stadium. So just down the uh, road from Fort Worth at Jerry World. Uh, where do you guys see this game going, TCU or Wildcats? I'm going to back former North Dakota State Bison coach Chris Kleiman on this one. Um, dude's done a tremendous job there. He's a he's a big culture guy. He's a great dude. I, I think it, – it, forgive me if I'm wrong. Adrian Martinez is back, correct? Yes, he, back. He, he should be – he should play in the game is what the report is. He should play. Yeah, I, I just – I like K State. I, I've seen him play. I, I don't watch. I haven't watched college football lately as much as I'd like to. But um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go K State here. I think if Martinez is back, that's just a dynamic. He, he's really flourished under him and in that offense. Uh, he's he's just very methodical. He, he's taking care of the ball. I think their defense uh, is um, a little better. I think than the Horn Frogs. I'm gonna go K State. I'm gonna go. They win by. Uh, by 10. Ooh. I am flipping it over to the Horned Frogs winning. Um, I have liked them all year. Um, it's a cool story. Cool to see Sonny Dykes and what he's built over there in Fort Worth. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Max Duggan's a really good quarterback. Um, he won the Johnny Unitas Award tonight, actually. Um, he's actually a, he's a Omaha local kid from Council Tucky, Iowa. Um, Council Bluffs. But yeah, uh, I think I think they're a solid team. Um, they know how to win games. Um, they may not blow you out, but they 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 finish games very well. So the Horn Frogs. I think I want TCU to win this game so I don't have to see the committee argue here. But uh I really think that K-State gets this done. Um, I just think that we talked about it, of how hard it is to beat St. Tune twice. I think that Adrian's got them playing well. And it's like, God, that grind of season has got to catch up to eventually. So many close games. You feel like just the ball is going to go against, go bounce the wrong way for you one time. And I think that that is this time. So it's so, so hard to go undefeated. Uh, nobody's done it in the Big 12 since Texas did it when they, uh, in 05, I believe that was the Vince Young year, uh, was the last time somebody went undefeated in the Big 12. 
it's just so hard. That league is so evenly matched. This K-State team is playing great. They're rolling. Um, it's going to be a very, very purple stadium there in Jerry World. A lot of purple on both sides. Um, I think that both teams will probably show up pretty well. K-State fans travel. Uh, it's not a large fight for them to get that Dallas either. So I, I'm going to, I'm with you, Jared. I'm going to take K-State in the points. And I think that K-State probably wins this game by, by a touchdown or a field goal, something very, very late in the last couple minutes, I see. If not even an overtime game, I think that this is going to be an extremely exciting game. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Uh, that's my that would be my biggest pick is that I would be absolutely shocked if this game was decided outside the last five minutes of the game. So, um, let's jump let's jump all the way down to Atlanta to the SEC. Uh, this game had a little bit more juice before LSU decided to go lay an egg on the road at Kyle Field and get beat by a lifeless A and M team. Um, this spread has now ballooned all the way up to seventeen and a half in favor of the George Bulldogs. Three p.m. kick. Central time on CBS. Um, LSU is 100% eliminated from the playoff here. Georgia is trying to win or try and go or trying to win the uh, SEC after losing it last year in Alabama. Brett, I, I think it's safe to say that we're all three of us are going to pick Georgia to win the game. Question is do they cover? I think they do cover. Um, I was the biggest Georgia hitter probably in the entire country to start out the season. And that's not even an exaggeration. I thought they were going to be terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think they cover. Um, I, 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 it's, it's not a knock against Georgia, but I think LSU is a fraud. Um, I think I wouldn't call it lucky. I think they're a decent team. But I don't think they deserve to be in the SEC championship by any stretch of the any stretch of the means. Give me cringe King Brian Kelly to not cover against the dogs. I think it's gonna be a blowout, <laughs> man. I really do. I I think Georgia's just too good, too big. Um, I think LSU will maybe keep it close in the first or second quarter, but I think that second half comes. I think the dogs win by 24 plus. I think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think there's too good. Yeah. Roll. I, I got him big. Thank you for pointing out the fact that Brian Kelly sucks. I don't like that guy. I didn't say he sucks. He just cringy. He, he, he sucks as a person. He is cringeworthy. I'll give you that. Uh, let's let's do a little rapid fire here. I don't think we have too much of a... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't think we got a, too much of a of a deep dive into this game, but Tulane UCF winner is going to go to the group of six playoff uh, because they will be the highest ranked group of five team Tulane UCF UCF beat Tulane three weeks ago on game day at Tulane. The game is back at Tulane uh, Tulane adventure loss here. They're a four point favorite. Give me the Tulane green wave and their stud wide receiver. Shea Wyatt. Oh, good call. Get a little Omaha call. I'm going to go UCF strictly because I think Scott Frost, big fan of his, so just UCF. <laughs> Gus Malzahn does win a lot of big games, but uh, we're going to stick with the theme that uh, don't be the same team twice, especially not at that team's place two times. I don't see it happening. They lost on game day. They're not losing this one. I got Tulane. I got the Green Wave. They're going to be going to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, next up, ACC Championship game. 
probably going to be exciting, probably more exciting than the other game at night. Um, Clemson's seven half point favorite versus UNC. UNC has really fallen off the map here the last two weeks, uh, losing to Georgia Tech, losing to NC State. Any chance that Drake May and the boys can put up enough points here, or uh, or is Clemson going to rebound off that loss to South Carolina because they were rolling before that game? Give me Drake May. Drake May and the boys are going going all the way to the championship. They're already at the championship. They're pulling through the championship. I love Drake May. Goat. Give me UNC. I think the energy won't be there for Clemson because Dabo can't sprint down that hill and all the way to midfield <laughs> like he does. I, I don't love their quarterback. I think DJ is, is just has been unfortunately a flop for them. Um, but so give me UNC. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a really hard spot for him because the Drake May gets rolling. I just don't see how Clemson's going to put up enough points here. I mean, genuinely, I don't see Clemson putting up more than 31 points. And I, I, mean, and I, or, and I definitely think that UNC can. So North, You're kind of seeing, a, seeing an Iowa-Nebraska-esque game here. North Carolina's defense is terrible. But they're obviously, they are terrible. And then it's the flip, it's the flip side for Clemson. Their, their defense is solid, but their offense sucks. I mean, their offense is going to rely on Will Shipley, your 5'10", 180-pound white running back, to rush for 200 yards and three scores on the win. So. You know, most of the time when it's that case, it's the uh, it's the bad offense tends to win against the bad defense. The, the really uh, – the bad offense can typically take advantage of the bad defense, but I'm going to stick with uh, stick with UNC, at least to cover. I, I don't know. Yeah, I would do that it, against Nebraska, maybe. I don't know if they win, but uh, I definitely think they cover. So, all right, last up, Big Ten Championship. Purdue is a 17-point dog to Michigan. I can't believe Purdue is in the Big Ten Championship. Big Ten West was absolutely disgusting the entire year. Um, but somebody had to and that team is Purdue. Uh, Michigan coming off the resounding victory at the Horseshoe. Any chance Michigan keeps this within 17? Fun fact, Jeff Brom is 3-0 against top three teams in his coaching career. He's never lost to a top three team. I don't think there's a single chance that they keep this within 17 points. Um, Nebraska's offense walked all over them. Um, and if that tells you anything, Michigan's offense is way better. And their defense is insane. So they're going to win by 20-plus. Only chance Purdue has is they're married – Grown man quarterback throws for 600 yards and seven touchdowns. I don't see that. I think Michigan's just extremely good. I think they win by, I think they win 31 3. Aside from Michigan turning the ball over six times, this game does not get close. This is a blowout. Um, this is a resounding victory. If Purdue makes this game a game, I'm just going to be laughing the entire time. I, that would actually just be the greatest cap to the whole Big Ten West is have Purdue somehow win the Big Ten Championship. That would just be a great way to end this. Oh man, Big Ten West. But uh, no, I, I have a feeling that if you're going to pick a TV to put a game on for the night window, I would suggest putting in the Clemson game and not this game because I don't think it's going to be pretty, pretty for very long. Um, and yeah, that pretty well covers our our college football uh, Saturday preview. Uh, looking at the conference championship, this is a whole lot of fun. Come Sunday, we're going to know who's in the playoff. We're going to know where the bowl games are going to be. Um, we can get back next week. Hopefully, I'm not coming back on here and complaining a lot more about Tennessee's bowl 
ending up wherever they are. I will follow the team to wherever that may be, but hopefully I won't be complaining about it. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I appreciate you uh, you guys jumping on. Any uh, last words here before we hop off for the night? I uh, got a real quick question since we got three and a half minutes. Just real quick. Yeah. Michigan blows out Purdue. Georgia barely beats LSU. Is there any chance Michigan gets that one seed? It depends what happens in T- in the with the TCU and USC teams because the committee is not going to make it be a rematch. So if Ohio, okay. if Ohio State gets back in at the four, they will purely keep Georgia there just so that they don't have a rematch. And okay. if that's the case, I think Georgia is the biggest loser from that Michigan-Ohio State game. The fact that they would have to play Ohio State in the first round is horrible. I mean, yeah. I, they, yeah. I think they win, but that's just not a very nice road for the number one team. But yeah, I if uh, if one of those teams sneaks in, Ohio State's at four, then I just don't see how they can move Michigan up and make it a rematch. Good call. So, uh, Brett, anything else here before we get out of the get out for the night? Uh, let's go Jays. Creighton Blue Jays playing Texas tomorrow. Ooh, big game. Big, big game. Seven and, point, seven and a half point dogs. Number seven, Creighton Blue Jays play the number two, Texas Longhorns. At home? Uh, in Austin. So it's going to be probably a loss because that place gets nuts. That is a rocking, rocking place. Um, Chris Beard's got them playing well. That's, that's, that's been a really good deal with uh, Chris Beard. going. So it worked out quite well for both guys. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. And uh, last but not least, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. We all know that it's your uh, your Apple Music Wrapped or your Spotify Wrapped time of the year. Well, for those who don't know, you get a podcast wrapped. If you have a podcast, Spotify sends you a podcast wrap. And uh, so we got all the statistics. They crunched all the numbers for me. And uh, we're global. We're across three countries this year. We were listened to in three different countries. All right, three different countries. That's pretty sweet. And uh, we're up 25%. So I want to thank all of you guys out there for uh, for our listener base jumping up here in 2022 compared to 2021. Uh, we appreciate each and every single one of you guys. Pretty cool stuff. You guys didn't know? Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Awesome, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, no, we appreciate it. As always, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at you next week with a uh, reaction to what's going on. And then come this fall, it's good, or this winter, a whole lot more basketball talk. So, I know we're, but we're all looking forward to that. So, with that, I will let you guys all have a great rest of your day.